It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Friday edition of Hitting Hard with John Trek right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we'll take a look at this Seahawks-Falcons matchup. The Falcons need a play from their quarterback and are the Braves prime for a postseason run. It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Trek, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome in on this Friday to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into that search browser. When you find us, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Don't forget Roku and Amazon Fire. You can also find us now on those platforms. And then follow me at JMCH316 on Twitter. Well, we get ready Sunday, Falcons and Seahawks week three in the NFL. Look, as we've said all week, I think that this is must win, not because of playoff implications or this, any other. This team needs a win. The fans need a win, right? So obviously, this is a very good matchup for the Falcons. If you're going to get stuck on the road and be out west, okay, the Seahawks are obviously not a great team. They had a great opening week, you know, in the Russell Wilson Bowl and all that, and then, you know, weren't so good last week. So looking at some of the numbers, okay, let's start with the Seahawks' offense. Now, they only average 12 points per game offensively so you're not even averaging two touchdowns per game you're averaging what four field goals per game so that's good news this is not some offense that goes out and lights it up and hucks it around and and things like that i'll give geno smith credit he's an 81 percent completion percentage quarterback this year and as of right now through the first couple of weeks they have no recorded dropped passes so they haven't hurt their quarterback at all And obviously, they have two very, very good wide receivers. We've been talking about the Falcons' pass defense this week. But obviously, when you look at the wide receivers in Lockett and Metcalf, that's a combination that's really good in this league. So the Falcons' defense obviously has their work cut out for them. Both of those guys, Lockett is at 80% catch percentage. Metcalf is at 84.6% catch percentage. Those are outstanding numbers in the NFL. You'd like to be in the high 60s if possible. So being in the 80s is outstanding. So there are some things that they do well. Now, the thing they don't do well is run the football. They are last, dead last in the NFL at running the football. They have the fewest rushing yards of any team in the league. So if they're going to beat you, they're going to have to do it through the air. I think Penny's got 75 yards. Rashad Penny's got 75 yards on the season. They're not going to run it down your throat and beat you that way. They're going to have to air it out, and they're going to have to get Geno Smith to make some plays and those two wide receivers. So the Falcons' pass defense needs to be on full alert in this game. Two good wide receivers, and they're efficient when they pass the football. Now, defensively for the uh, Seahawks, This is not the Legion of Boom, Bobby Wagner defense anymore. All of those guys are gone. 
Doesn't mean they've been terrible, but if you look at some of the numbers, one is they give up 21 and a half points per game. So they score 12 and give up 21 and a half. That's obviously not you know, that good of a ratio uh, in it. They have given up the third most third downs in the NFL. So they don't get off the field very well on third down. They've given up the third most third downs in the league. Their 7.8 yards per pass attempt is the fourth highest in the NFL. So when they give up, when when quarterbacks drop back and throw it against the Seahawks defense, and by the way, they have zero interceptions on the season. So they haven't made a takeaway from the other team's quarterback. And when other teams' quarterbacks throw it against them, they get good chunks of yardage. That's good news because that means London, Pitt, Zacchaeus, Hodge, those guys, when they make catches and plays, have a chance to get some big plays. You may not have – look, obviously the game plan this weekend is you're not asking Mariota to go back and huck it around and and all this kind of stuff, right? But when you do have to throw the football – it's a situation where you can get some bigger chunks of yards. You run, 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 soften them up to where now you get some play action passing or get some just pass plays that get some big chunks of yards in the uh, in this. And by the way, this Seahawks defense has only had three sacks on the season. So imagine that. We're in week three in the NFL, and the Falcons have more sacks on defense than the Seahawks defense does. Most people probably wouldn't have thought that years ago, right? So look, it's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. You don't get cute. You don't do anything tricky. You don't pull out the box of gimmicks and do all of that nonsense this weekend. You play sound fundamental football. They don't turn it over a whole bunch. They don't create turnovers. They don't sack the quarterback. They don't run the football effectively. So some of the basics that you'd like to see out of a football team, they don't do as well at least through the first couple of weeks of the season, the Falcons have run the football effectively. They have been able to sack the quarterback, five sacks in two games. You'll take that all day long, even though it was disappointing last week with only one sack. Geno's been sacked four times on the season. So you expect a sack or two on Sunday, but there's no reason to get cute. With all due respect, I don't care about targets, and this and that this weekend, I'm not really focused on that. I'm focused on play fundamental football to win this game, run the football effectively. You know, the numbers I'll be looking at this weekend, what's the yards per attempt out of my running backs? Because I expect not just Patterson, but Algier is going to get another good handful of carries. I think he'll probably be in that 10 to 12, maybe even more, but certainly probably 10 to 12 carries. Arthur Smith talked this week about how he liked Algiers' performance and that he's done a lot of good things leading up to this. So I expect probably another 10 or 12 carries out of Tyler Algier. This should be a run-heavy game for the Falcons where you mix in some passes to get some big chunks of plays. But the Seahawks' defense doesn't do a good job of getting off the field on third down. They don't do a good job of sacking the quarterback. They haven't created an interception this year. So you don't need to get cute. And also, you don't let Geno Smith drop back and huck it around and go out there and beat you, right? You know, this is where Hayward, Terrell, Grant, Hawkins, 
This is where those guys have to play well this week. You don't let a, a team that's not very good either get turnovers or make big plays against you, right? That's the things that kick. That's how bad teams stay in these kinds of games is they make a couple of big plays, a 40-yard touchdown pass, or they sack, you know, they create a turnover, sack, strip, fumble, couple of picks, whatever. So nothing cute, nothing fancy about what needs to be done this weekend. Run the football, play good defense, sack the quarterback, change up down and distance. We know they can't run the football, so there's no need to give up 125 yards on the ground this weekend. And don't turn the football over. They do those basic things, basic fundamental football. There's no reason whatsoever they can't win this game. And by the way, the Vegas odds, everybody's talking about the play is the under in this game. I agree. 42, I think, is the over-under somewhere in that range. I haven't looked in the last day or so, but 42, somewhere around in that range. Okay, I'll take the under on that. And the Falcons are anywhere from a one to three point underdog, meaning that if this game were played on a neutral field, at worst, they'd be a pick em. At best, they would be favored by a point or two. So I do think that the Falcons find a way to win this Sunday. It's not going to be a pretty game to watch, per se. It's going to be very basic, I think, stripped down, very fundamental style football in this thing. We'll see what happens. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Marcus Mariota. But first, let's talk about our friends over at betonline.net. That is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. Look, NFL kicked off last night. Interesting game with the Browns. College football is watching Georgia State. They stunk it up last night. Big weekend in college football in the NFL, right? You want to be smarter about your sports wagering information. Betonline.net is your number one source for all of your wagering information. E-scores, betting, whatever you need, lines podcast information all your news and notes is right there in the palm of your hand you take that mobile device and head to betonline.net today to be a smarter better when it comes to sports wagering use that mobile device head to betonline.net today be smarter with betonline.net hitting hard with john chuckery on locked on sports atlanta as we talk about the falcons and seahawks look one guy that the falcons need this sunday and I don't mean he needs to, you know, play offensive player of the week level for the Falcons is Marcus Mariota. Through the first two games of this season, Mariota's been okay. Has he done anything to win you a football game? No, obviously not. They haven't won a football game. But he has done some things that have not helped your team. And his turnovers when he's made them have been, let's say, for a, a kind way to put it, in inopportune times. Now, a couple of things that I was looking at statistically for Mariota. Um, you know, on the season, he's got obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of uh, interceptions. So he's only got two touchdowns to two interceptions um, on the season. 62.7% completion percentage for the year. Okay. That's not terrible, but that's obviously, you know, not great. And he has thrown it a decent amount of times this year. But a couple of things that I was looking at. So first off, his passing in the fourth quarter, he's 11 for 18. So that's 61% completion. So in the fourth quarter, he completes a lower percentage 
of his passes than he does what his overall numbers tell you. And the other thing that I thought was interesting in, in looking at this was his red zone passing. He's five for nine in the red zone. Now he does have obviously the two touchdowns and thankfully he doesn't have an interception, but five for nine, you know, and it's only 29 yards, five for nine, which is basically 55, 56% completion percentage. That ain't where you want your quarterback when it's red zone time, right? That's where you want your quarterback to be efficient. So Mariota's had some deficiencies late in games and in the red zone, okay? This has to be a week where Mariota plays clean. Can't afford a turnover. You can't give the football back. No dumb bonehead plays. And I know people are talking about, oh, well, what about the play he made on fourth down where he, he fell down and got up and hit Parker Hesse? Okay, how many plays like that do you think a quarterback's going to make during the season? First off, think about how blown the coverage was on that play to allow your quarterback to fall down, stand up, gather himself, and throw it to an open receiver. Think about how think about how much of a blown coverage. That reminds me of some of the plays. You remember a few years ago um, that they uh, the, the the Raiders game um, specifically, the Austin Hooper actually it was Carolina and the Raiders. Where Austin Hooper in the first couple of games where he had these monster plays, like, well, look at look at Austin Hooper. He's got a seventy yard and a sixty. Yeah, because there were such blown coverages, he was wide open. That's not on Austin Hooper, you know, made some kind of great play. That was Carolina and Oakland. They were just dreadful at coverage, and guy got wide open on a big play. That's what that Parker Hesse fourth down play was. But they need Mariota to make her play. Look, Mariota's main job to me this week is to turn and hand off the football and not put their team in a bad position. Don't fumble it. Don't inter- Don't let it get intercepted. They haven't gotten that. We just explained the Seahawks defense has not made an interception this year. So there's no reason to start a trend with that, you know, this weekend. Play simple, sound, fundamental football. And if you can control the line of scrimmage we've talked about, you'll be in every NFL game, right? You'll be able to win every NFL game. But at some point, you will need your quarterback to make a play. And that's where I need Marcus Mariota. I need two things out of Mariota. First thing is play clean. No turnovers, no goofy plays. Second thing is make me a play. And I say a play. Think back in the history of football, right? Remember Jacksonville and that uh, AFC championship game against the Patriots when Blake Bortles couldn't make a play? They did everything else fine. They were fine at defense. Oh, they were fine. Line of script. Everything else was fine. But they couldn't make a play with their quarterback and lost. Remember a handful of years ago, Alex Smith in the NFC Championship game with the 49ers when it was against the Giants and they didn't complete a pass to their wide receivers until like in the middle of the third quarter. And they lost that game. Why? Because it couldn't make a play. You just need a play from your quarterback. If you can do, if you can run the football, sack the quarterback, control the line of scrimmage, if you can just get a play from your quarterback, you got a shot. And that's what Mariota needs to do. And if it gets in the red zone, simplify it. One read, throw, just like the Drake London touchdown. Drop back, one read, throw, that's your hot route, hit it, go. 
Don't think. Don't read the defenses. Don't get cute. You know, I saw there was another stat, too, about about Mariota that I thought was was interesting. And it was how much time he had in the pocket when he had when he when he's when he's less than two and a half seconds in the pocket. He's a fifty seven point five eight percent completion quarterback when he has two and a half seconds or more, which is not a huge amount of time, but two and a half seconds or more. He goes up to sixty nine point two three percent. And when he has less than two and a half seconds, that's where both of his interceptions have come. So obviously protecting Marcus Mariota and giving him some time to throw. And two and a half seconds is not a huge amount of time in the NFL, but it's enough. A half a second here and your quarterback, that's the difference between your quarterback completes a pass and he's standing up looking out his ear hole with the ball in his hand. So you just need Mariota this weekend to make a play. And I need him to do something to help us win a football game. Because as I've explained, listen, if they're 0-3 coming back home and with the way that they've played at least through the first two games, and we'll see how Sunday plays itself out. And I know they said that Mariota, you know, you play him because he's the best chance to win and all this, blah, 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 blah. Okay. At this point, 0-3 coming back home, you have to seriously say, why don't we make a quarterback change? Because if Marcus Mariota can't make a play to win you a football game, then you might as well trot your rookie out there. Because I think that, again, the offensive line has played well enough they can protect them. Their running game has done enough things effectively. Let's at least see if Ritter could come in and make a play. Now, again, if Mariota can make a play on Sunday, they can win a football game. Okay, one and two, come back here to Cleveland, who's a really good football team. You're going to be outclassed, and we'll roll the dice from there. So I don't need much out of Mariota this weekend. Don't need him to throw for 400 yards. I don't need him to throw it 35 times. I, he had 25 passes last week. I'm hoping that he has less than that. I'm hoping that this is a game where Mariota's only got to drop back and throw it about 20 times. But what I do need is a play out of Marcus Mariota. All right, I want to talk about my friends over at Coffee AM. Listen, they are the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Of course, you know how much I love these folks. I drink their coffee every single morning right here in the state of Georgia, up in the Canton area. No matter what your coffee needs are, if you go to coffeeam.com, backslash locked on, check out their menu. You need K-Cups, they've got that available. You want organic coffees, they've got that available. You want flavored coffees, they have all of that available. You need tea, guess what? They got that too. Well, I got a party this weekend, I need a little gift set. They got gift sets for you as well. Everything that you need and everything that you want as a coffee drinker is at coffeeam, coffeeam.com. So go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on today. Put that first order together. Go through their menu. Put that first order together. I promise you, when that box gets delivered, you open it up. It's going to smell like heaven on earth. When you get to checkout, use the promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N Locked On L O C K E D O N at checkout, and you get 15% off your first order. Locked On gets you 15% off your first order. CoffeeAM.com is the best small batch coffee roaster in America. 
Last night, obviously, was not a great start to this four-game road set against the Philadelphia Phillies as they're fighting for their playoff life for the Atlanta Braves. They get shut out one nothing, And I know people are starting to panic, and they've not played well late, and they've lost a couple of games in a row, and the offense is fluttering. Okay, well, we've talked about Matt Olson and Austin Riley. You know, they've been fluttering for a little while here, okay? So are the Braves primed to get on a long playoff run? Look, here's a few things. Number one is I think they are a better baseball team this year than they were last year. And I think they have a better starting rotation this year than they have last year. Bullpen-wise, I don't feel like the, the Braves have taken a big step back. I think Jansen's been every bit as good, you know, as what Will Smith was last year. Smith had all his hiccups. Jansen's had his hiccups. You know, but with McHugh and with Iglesias, I think their bullpen is fine. Now, a couple of things that I want to throw out there, okay? Against the three division leaders, Mets and the Dodgers and the Cardinals this year, the Braves are 13 and 16 head-to-head against those teams. Against the two wildcard teams, and this could change because the Padres are stinking it up right now. Phillies are fighting. So right now, Braves, Phillies, Padres are the three wildcard teams, right? The Braves are only 12 and 11 against those two teams. So look, We've played 19 games in the month of September, okay? Braves are 13 and 6 in the month of September right now. So the Braves have been fine. They, they've not played. Let's compare that to last year. Through the first 19 games of September, they were 10 and 9. So they're three games better this year than they were last year in September. The difference was with the Braves and, and where we kind of got this idea about well, this could be special in this than the other is a couple of things. They went on for the remainder of the season. They went on a, a really good run. Remember, they finished out September and October with a 12 and two run. They were 12 and two their last 14 games that they played. And they started catching that lightning in a bottle, right? Solaire and some of these guys. And then they got in the playoffs and they, they caught lightning in a bottle. Rosario, Soler, right? The guy, Peterson. You know, Peterson, the hero in the divisional series. Rosario, the hero in the NLCS. Soler, the hero in the World Series. And they caught lightning in a bottle. Besides just their positional guys and Freddie and this and that and what have you, they caught lightning in a bottle with the three guys they acquired to build their outfield around, right? So, look. Are the, are the Braves primed and ready to go? Yeah. Are, just like going into last year. You know, now the difference could be that last year they were a division winner. This year they may or may not be. But they are 13-6 and six in the month of September. And they're only a game and a half back in the division. Obviously, the big difference between year over year isn't the Braves. It's the Mets. That's the difference year over year is that the Mets are still in this thing and playing outstanding baseball. But it doesn't mean that the Braves still won't win the division. Where do I think the Braves rank in the pecking order of things in the National League? I think the Braves, Mets, and Dodgers sit well above everybody else in Major League, in, in the National League, let's put it this way, in, in that side of the, the, the bracket. I, I don't think when you talk about, look, St. Louis can be a dangerous team because they're a veteran squad that knows how to win. You know, listen. Say what you will about Wainwright and Pujols and, you know, their, their 
50-year-old guys that they have, they find ways to win. Milwaukee, if they make it. Philadelphia, okay, they're looking for their first playoff spot in a decade or whatever like that. The Padres are immensely talented. Even without Fernando Tatis, they're immensely talented because they're top of their rotation. If you have you Darvish and you have Musgrove, those two guys can go out and get you 2-0 and to start any series. And then if Blake Snell can do anything, who had a no-hitter going the other night before Pools, actually the guy who broke it all up. So they're one through three. Now look, Josh Hader's been terrible. He's got a 10 ERA since he's been in San Diego. So look, Braves, Mets, Dodgers sit above, and I think by a pretty good margin, they sit above the rest of the National League. Now, the fact that the Braves are better, the fact that they have a better rotation year over year, and the rookies that have just been outstanding, doesn't mean that the Braves are going to win the World Series. Doesn't mean that the Braves are going to repeat as champions. But you don't feel like we're just kind of, you know, coming out of left field. Obviously, these guys have the experience, right, having made that miraculous run and gotten a World Series last year. How do I feel about the Braves where we're at right now? Yeah, they've got some struggles to set any other. Yeah, Olsen needs to hit better. He's hitting a buck 90 in the month of September, which actually is pretty good because a week ago he's hitting 095. So he's been a little bit better. Riley had three hits last night. We know that Ozzy's not going to be available in the regular season. We still don't know his playoff. And, and I'm I'm going to be I'm going to tell you what my personal thought is. I don't think Ozzy plays in the first round of the playoffs. I think Ozzy, uh, unless there's some kind of thing that they get a buy or something crazy, he's not going to play in the first round of the playoffs. I don't think he's going to have enough time to come back and heal and things like that. He may be okay to do some things, but he's not going to be healed. By the time, because remember, we're down to our last, what, 11, 12 games of the regular season. Playoff baseball will hit before you know it. So the good news for the Braves, more importantly, is that they're still playing well right now in the month of September. The division is still within reach. And they are a better team year over year. But you do have to give some credit to the New York Mets as far as how well they've played. They've not faded. Now, look, their schedule, obviously, coming down the stretch here, you know, the Mets are out playing the most disgraceful franchise by far in Major League Baseball. They're out in Oakland to take on the Athletics. And obviously, it's a very easy run for their schedule other than when they played the Braves. I think I saw a stat that said if the Mets win one game against the Braves, Basically, the Mets can go six and five, win the division, whereas the Braves would have to go nine and three to win the division. So the Braves would have to play some outstanding baseball. But I got news for you. That's all possible for the Braves. Nine and three in their last 12 ain't impossible. Not with the not with the Nationals and finishing up with the Phillies and then the Mets and Marlins or whatever. Nine and three is not, not impossible. That's why I say this division isn't quite there yet. And that's based upon if they just take one game against the Mets. They take two games against the Mets. Okay, Mets got to be better than six and five to win the division at that point. So I feel good because look, short series, long series, whatever. You give me Freed, Wright, Strider, Morton, I'm good. And it's crazy to think we're not going to have Ian Anderson. We got word the other day, Mike Soroka's done. 
can I tell you, I never expected Mike Soroka to pitch in the big leagues this season. And, and I told you weeks ago about Ian Anderson. I said, eh, maybe it's better if he just stays down in Gwinnett and finishes out the year there. I know he was our best pitcher in the postseason last year. But can I tell you, if you're telling me that for this year, my replacement for Ian Anderson is Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider, I'm good with all of that. So I didn't expect Ian Anderson to have much of a role. Oda Rizzi won't have much of a role. And obviously, I didn't expect Mike Soroka to, to have any kind of role whatsoever. So none of this is surprising. That The plan is to go with your top four guns, right? But Strider, Freed, Wright, Morton, I'll take that against any team in the league, including DeGrom and Scherzer and all those guys. Because after that, those guys are all beatable. And the Braves have shown if we they beat DeGrom a few weeks ago, right? So I think the Braves are just fine where they're at, 13 and 6 in September. We'll see if that means, though, that they can find a way to win the division and make their playoff road a little bit easier. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make A to Z with Mark Zinno your second listen every day as Mark's back talking all things sports here in Atlanta. Check him out on our YouTube page for free at Locked on Sports Atlanta. Free and available, too, to download on your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Don't forget, you can uh, give us a five-star review there. And we are free on Roku and Amazon Fire, right? Check us out on those platforms as well. And follow me at JMCH316. We'll gather back up on Monday. We'll see what the Falcons do. It's been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.